We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how we doing? Suck at sixes. <laughs> I was not ready for that. The Nets picked up a dub at home at Barclays Center, 109.89 on the second night of a back-to-back. As always, though, quick reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But, Jack, tell me why the Sixers suck today. <laughs> I mean, I don't necessarily know, Nick. I think maybe Joel Embiid not playing has something to do with it. But I think that this Sixers team has proven without Embiid that they still can be a quality outfit. So to beat them and destroy them by 20 points, by far the best performance of the season. To I think this was Philadelphia's lowest score as well. So for the Brooklyn Nets to keep improving on the defensive end. I mean, there was no bad things to really say about this performance other than a few sloppy turnovers here and there. And when you win by 20 points, you can't nitpick that much. Yeah, considering the circumstances, I could probably agree with the fact that it was maybe the biggest win because it was the second night of a back-to-back, and you are facing Philly, but they were without Embiid, where you know Denver was probably a little bit more talented, Boston a little bit more talented, but you needed this win because it would have been three straight losses, including that one against Charlotte, which essentially kind of ripped out the souls of many Nets fans. So this was big, and they came out with great energy from the start. You know, they're only up five after the first quarter, but if they didn't have a couple of those stupid mistakes, it could have easily been a double-digit lead in the first. Yeah, I thought that in terms of how we set the tone and, and coming off the uh, back-to-back and you know getting back to, to Brooklyn at, at 3 a.m., I think, the Yes yep. Network 
broadcast were talking about to come out with the requisite energy was surprising i was i sort of thought that would probably come out a, a bit more so with that in toronto having the rest but it, it was surprising and a, a welcome surprise because i thought i felt comfortable enough throughout this entire game yes i was nervous yes i expected the sixes to come on a run but for the nets to keep the sixes at bay you know they've, they've still got you know the likes of josh richardson ben simmons al horford tobias harris these guys are quality performers and when they get going they can make you look silly and I thought there were going to be moments at times, but it shows to the quality and the maturity of this Nets outfit. And it certainly helps having, you know, your three best players sitting on the bench as well, getting involved in the culture and stuff. It was, and I think one thing as well, Nick, we, we've spoken about it before in terms of wanting to get that blowout win to give the guys a little bit of a rest. Spencer did when he led the team with 30 minutes tonight, which is really, really positive. Yeah, it really is. And I feel like in Toronto, you could kind of see maybe he was a little bit fatigued, bounce back tonight and getting that blow really sent a good message to the entire team because they just blew out a possible blowout victory against Charlotte earlier in the week to do that against a better Philly team, even without Embiid gives the team some confidence. Do you think Wilson Chandler making his Nets debut tonight gave the team some energy? I think that he proved that he is going to be getting regular rotation minutes. You know, the box score doesn't light the world on fire. You know, two points, two assists, did rebound the ball really well, did have a block and a steal. He is going to be a perfect off-the-bench performer, a la Jared Dudley from last season, but with a bit more physicality and grunt. I like his aggression, and I think a lot of people will look at him and go, well, that guy looks tough. He's probably going to play tough, and he does. He plays tough basketball. He makes the right plays, and, you know, I think the, they were making jokes about the fact that he's just always in the gym because he's just trying to stay fit and try and be ready you know i remember speaking about on on a mini periscope that i did yesterday that the fact that he is going to be ready and he's going to get thrown to the wolves and he showed that he was capable there was times where Torian prince was in foul trouble wilson Chandler was out there with the starters and he fitted it in seamlessly yeah, I mean, it was really impressive for Wilson Chandler to play. You know, he wasn't amazing, but I thought he played well after not playing basketball all season long. You know, missing 25 games is a major chunk, and you could feel his size out there, not only in terms of, like, length and height, but you could feel the girth and the toughness that he'd bring to the team. And you mentioned it. Torian Prince got in foul trouble. If the Nets didn't have Wilson Chandler tonight, they probably would have been screwed because Rodion's would have had a fill-in in those minutes. Yeah, and I mean, we saw Rodion's against Toronto and he looked a deer in headlights again. Obviously, that's an issue to speak about for another day. But uh, I think when you can just get quality NBA-ready performers, it makes this team so much better because we've been forced to play guys that aren't ready. You know, Musu's now out of the rotation. Pinson is still getting minutes and looks better, I guess, in a lesser role. And, you know, we, we saw, and I guess we'll get to some specific performers, Nick, but um, I'm going to force you to say TLC's full name. Say it for me, my dude. Um, let me just say one more thing about Wilson Chandler. <laughs> Don't delay the inevitable. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you to say it first, so then I can kind of just repeat you. Um, <laughs> seven rebounds, though, really stuck out. And I think Kenny brought this up after the game, or somebody brought this up, maybe it was a Nets beat writer. But just having another good rebounder out there, we've mentioned the Nets have been better on the boards, but a lot of it has been attacking the offensive boards. But a defensive rebounder in Wilson Chandler just gives you a body, and he can actually box out a center because he has that type of size. Yeah, 51 rebounds with 38 overall, Nick, and, and, and you almost doubled their offensive rebounds as well. I think that it's always been an in, a very important part to what the Knicks do and not the, the Nets do and the, their physicality and their identity. And to play and to do so against a uh, Philadelphia 76ers team, which is known for its size and known for its aggression as sort of the part of its identity that, that makes it stand out, 
shows that I mean Wilson Chandler also is a former Philadelphia 76er himself so he might have had a little bit of inside knowledge on on how to guard certain dudes and how to box out but he was really really good and I'm, I'm really impressed and I think that he's going to continue to have these sort of performances I think this is going to be the base level of performance that we can expect from Wilson Chandler I don't think that we, we will see better games from him in terms of the box score hitting some threes and, and making some passes and and hitting some shots but I think that if we get this as this the baseline of 20 minutes a night from a quality NBA vet in this league, I'm going to be more than happy with that because it adds to winning basketball. Yeah, I think the only thing you'd like to see moving forward is maybe a little bit more aggression offensively because that second unit could really use it. But when we get healthy, it doesn't really matter. But on to the name pronunciation. Jack, hit me with it, and then I'll do my best to replicate. Timothy, well, Timothy Lowell Cabarrot. Timothy Lowell Cabarrot. Uh, yeah, with the accent, it sounds fine. No, close enough. TLC is what I'll roll with the rest, <laughs> rest of the way out here. But talking TLC, perfect segue over here. This man is taking Moose's minutes, and it happened out of nowhere. And he deserves it. He looks, he looks good. Slick. He looks comfortable off the dribble. He looks a lot better than Jana Musa does. I like his the, the three ball. He hasn't necessarily hit it, but I like the mechanics. And a lot of the shots have been in and out. And he looks smooth and he looks fluid. And obviously, as a two-way guy, you know, Ketch Kenny has sort of said, you know, we need to get a look at him. I thought he was okay against the Raptors as well. I think you always get that little bit of extra boost going against your former team. And TLC was doing that tonight. Was plus 14, you know, when, as a bench player. You know, he was absolutely insane. You know, eight points, five rebounds and assists to steal. I like what he does out there. I really liked his drive on Matisse Thibault, who obviously yeah. is a rookie, but he's an extremely gifted defensive player and has some amazing length. TLC's ability to finish inside, some of it was in garbage time, but I really like that. It's just something that Musa couldn't provide, Theo Pinson can't provide. I mean, I would not be surprised if TLC is getting minutes later in the season and guys like Musa and Pinson are not. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because being on that two-way contract, there's only a certain amount of days you can be with the team yep. playing and, train and training. So that's going to be one for sure, Marks, to watch going forward. And it could be another guy. I mean, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with trades. He could be a guy that's turned into an NBA contract if he plays really well. Obviously, it's only been about 40 minutes of play we've seen from him, yeah. but still impressive. Jack, who do you want to touch on next? Should we touch on Mr. Poster, Spencer Dinwiddie? Oh, my dear Lord. I I was shook. I, I was certainly <laughs> shook. I think the, the Nets world was shook. And there, there were some funny comments, and I think – Malika Andrews tweeted out, and we were speaking about this before we recorded the outlet, and she, she said that Coach Kenny put it on the, the the footage on again in the locker room, and it got the same reaction. And I'm just like, I love this team so much just for the joy that they play this game with because basketball shouldn't be this serious thing that we get down on ourselves and, and it makes you really, really annoyed. At the end of the day, it is a fun pastime and a fun profession for these people and also Joe Harris on Spencer Dinwiddie as well he's he's like Spencer's probably the most athletic guy in the NBA who doesn't use his athleticism so we give him a lot of grief for not dunking the ball at up I agree with Joe though because Spencer is super fast and I think you don't think he's a great athlete I remember like a couple seasons ago I was like yeah I'm not really sure about Spencer's athleticism but after watching him for game after game you know he's quick and you know he can throw it down but he never does it. So, like you said, I was shook. I was like, yo, what did I just see? That came out of nowhere, and he banged on Tobias Harris like it was nothing. I don't even think, like, the arena knew how to react. I don't. I think that it was it was shock to the nth degree because I, we know Spencer is athletic. You know, he's a 6'5 he's guy. Fast. Who can, he's really, really quick, but he doesn't show off the hops much because he has such a crafty game around the rim. 
But to show that, you know, I think Coach Kenny's going to be asking for a couple more dunks from him this season. And to do it again on Tobias Harris as well, a guy who's got more size than him. I think Spencer was a little bit shocked at it himself. And I mean, the, the bench was just up for like minutes and minutes on end. I thought, you know, Spencer, I think he might have forced a, a subtle injury for Kyrie Irving getting pushed by Kevin Durant as well. Yeah, I think DeAndre picked up Spencer when he went to the bench after that and hugged him. Like oh. It was just straight hype. But talking about Spencer, who's continuing to play at an all-star level, 24 points, 9 of 21 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, 4 of 6 from the free throw line, 6 assists, 3 turnovers. But he was dynamic in this game, and he really attacked Philly. Philadelphia struggle against quality point guards. And, and one thing, even when the Nets haven't been performing well against the Sixers, our guards generally do perform well. Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, I expect Kyrie Irving to do so if we come up against the Sixers when hopefully he is back for, for those matchups when they do occur. And without Joel Embiid, Spencer Dinwiddie is going to have a driving lane for days. Al Horford is, a, is an amazing defender. But rim protection isn't necessarily his forte. He's a much better, you know, in terms of his defensive versatility. So Spencer got out, got there at will, got to the line six times as well. He had a, another great performance. I think it was his third straight 24-point performance. I know Richard Jefferson didn't necessarily care about that on the <laughs> broadcast. But Spencer is playing all-star level basketball. I put it out there. You know, he is an all-star. And, you know, when the ballots do come out, I'm going to be voting for him uh, because he has been playing some incredible basketball uh, of late. And I think the thing with Spencer in the All-Star game is people look at the stats and they'll be like, oh, they're not too crazy, but he's carrying this team without Karras, without Kyrie. So it's really been a big impact. I was actually surprised Philadelphia didn't make an adjustment. You mentioned it. You know, Al Horford's not a great rim protector, but they still kept dropping him like he was. Yeah, and it's like you... They didn't react well enough and quick enough to what Spencer Dinwiddie does well. And uh, I think we executed. And when Spencer Dinwiddie is given a lane, he's allowed to get into the middle of the floor. He's allowed to find the angles and get his back to, to the basket and sort of throw it up with his right hand. He's going to make, you know, 99 shots out of 100, 95 shots out of 100. He is incredibly crafty. He knows the angles well. He has a great first step. He can get past most players, if not all of them. And Josh Richardson, Matisse Tybel, Ben Simmons, the guys that were switched upon him, you know, he just has the confidence now that he's playing at an all-star level game. You know, Ben Simmons was even saying that how, how he was just dominant and he loves how he gets downhill. You know, a man after his own heart. Spence really attacked them today. And you could see the difference in terms of, you know, the game versus Philly and the game versus Toronto. Toronto made life a lot more difficult for Dylan yeah. And it kind of forced the other Nets to try to win the game. And they couldn't do it. You know, we didn't do a pod on last night's game because we felt it didn't deserve one. But uh, Garrett Temple, you know, having to shoot 14 threes or just asking other guys to step out of their comfort zone was why the Nets lost to Toronto. If you allow the Nets to run through Spencer Dinwiddie, things are going to roll. And that's what we saw with the offense today. Yeah, and Garrett Temple was great today in, in, in terms of three or four from three. Much better. 13 points, four assists. You know, he is proving to be just an amazing performer for this team. That obviously was an aberration. You know, I think you're going to have those nights. You know, Shooter's going to shoot. You know, he's been given the green light by the coaching staff. But, you know, he needed to be better in terms of his decision making, in terms of when to take the shots, when to pass it up and, and affect the game in, in a different sort of level. But I thought his game was really, really good tonight. This is the sort of... I'm speaking about base level from Wilson Chandler. You know, I'm very happy if, if Garrett Temple's going to hit three threes, get us 10-plus points, a couple of assists here and there, help the second unit, be, give, give them a, a bit more leadership and composure. Yeah, 100%. And I think Garrett Temple, you know, if he moves out of the starting lineup, his life's going to go a lot easier because he's going yeah. against bench guys moving forward. But we'll see what Kenny does when Karras and Kyrie are healthy. On to Torian Prince. 
didn't think this was a great game from him. You know, in a little bit of funk with foul trouble, I think that always kind of does something to you. But what do you think? Yeah, I think that the the foul trouble certainly has has an has an effect on your rhythm as a basketball. I think Jared Allen has experienced that, you know, to the nth degree in early points of the season. But I still think he did some nice things. I, I didn't mind his defense. You know, he got a couple of steals here and there. And I think he provided effort. And you know, I think his passing game is still continuing to be very, very good, Nick. And and a, and a point that we probably can, will continue to touch on. Four assists for him tonight in 25 minutes. You know, didn't necessarily affect the box score as much. You know, he didn't hit a three probably for one of the first times maybe this season. I haven't really looked at his, his game log specifically. But to still rebound the ball well, to still play decent defense, and to still pass the ball up. Uh, and find open guys. It's still a decent enough performance to to be able to affect the game in other ways. And we're continuing to say this about TP. Yeah, we were probably, you know, two of the first people on Torian Prince's improving passing. And he did have four assists. He easily could have had five because I think there was an instance where DeAndre was not looking for the ball. He just had his head up. Probably would have been an easy dunk. Five assists right there. And you mentioned only having one three-point attempt. It's a little bit of strange. He was kind of hesitant in the last game. Maybe he felt off with his shot. But he's been attacking a lot more. And then even with the second unit, they're kind of getting him into a little bit more of a pick-and-roll option. Yeah, I'd like. I think he seems more comfortable with the ball in his hands. They're they're giving him more responsibility because he's proven the fact that he has quality decision making when he has the ball in his hands. Now there are some times where he can get a, a bit drill happy and force shots at times. You know, four of twelve from the field obviously doesn't necessarily look good on paper. But in terms of when you're looking at plus minus as just a singular you know game by game stat, he did lead the team with plus sixteen because in a lot of moments when he was with the second unit, they were able to extend the lead uh, at. Certain points as well so i still think it was a relatively positive performance from Torian prince yeah it wasn't one that's going to win you the game it wasn't one that's going to lose you the game and i think you can be happy with that and even talking to Torian prince it felt like i don't know if this was due to the foul trouble or not it felt like he was an earlier sub than normal played him a little bit more with the bench and then you got wilson channing a little bit with the starters i didn't mind it at all because kind of like you mentioned allowed him to have more responsibility that second unit i don't know if kenny's going to roll with that but it was interesting I like versatility, Nick, and I, I think that in terms of just being able to have different guys to throw out there and different rotations, you know, it certainly helps to have just NBA-ready guys. If, you know, like you said, if we hadn't have had Wilson Chandler tonight, we would have had to throw out a Rodion Skouritz, and that certainly probably would have made things a lot worse for this uh, Brooklyn Nets team and, and maybe would have chipped away at that lead, and, you know, that certainly gets you a, a little bit nervy. But uh, I think that to have now two decent enough wings on the roster at probably one of the most important positions in the league is going to be incredibly helpful when we come up against other teams that have some really strong wings like the Clippers, uh, like the Lakers. These sort of teams, you know, the, the wings are essentially, you know, the, the premier position uh, in today's day and age. Yeah, having real forwards is important. And I think you have a little bit of variance between Torian Prince and Wilson Chandler where Chandler gives you a little bit more size, Prince gives you a little bit more quickness. But moving on from there, talking about your boy Joe Harris, this will probably get swept under the rug, but Joe Harris had a pretty nice dunk in this game. He had a very nice dunk in this game. He was just like, I was just like, wait, is that a travel? No, that's not a double dribble. My guy just sort of got up there and, you know, I I put it out on Twitter and I can be a little bit too thirsty when it comes to Joe Harris. A little. (laughs) Maybe a little bit, maybe just a little bit. But I love when I see the the camera pan to to the Nets guys close up and they're chewing their gum. I don't know what it is about it. It's just something like that. They're too cool for school. And when Joe, like, Joe's got like a little bit of a mean mug now. And like Joe used to be, he sort was of pissed like, in this game when uh, Richardson fouled him. It's weird because like whenever I look up Joe Harris gifts now, like there's a lot of them of like him being like angry, motivated, 
And it kind of like, you know, it, it makes me feel a certain way, Nick. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. When I see this guy all revved up, it gets Keep me revved PG-13, up. Keep this PG-13, Jack. <laughs> it certainly is. I'm not going to go down a certain route. You're, you're taking it down that route. Not me. You're implying certain things. But Joe Harris had a really another good game today. You know, he, obviously, his three ball has been a little bit down, but he's still one of the best, if not the best three-point shooter in the league. Two or four from three tonight continues continues to make good drives and the Sixers for some reason were giving him easy lanes you know Joe Harris isn't going to be a trigger happy guy he will more than happily take a drive into you and finish off the finish off the glass he is a really good straight line driver and it has become one of his best skills I remember Sarah Kustok saying you know he had one of the best driving percentages in the league last year because he just makes the right play and teams will give him that open lane and obviously it led to a dunk today he was just awesome, and Joe Harris continues to make me feel uh, feelings that I've never felt in my life. A certain type of way, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, no, but Joe, I thought, did a great job with the drives today. I think he got away from that a little bit in the past, or maybe there were some more athletic centers that were down there that kind of prevented him from finishing, where tonight he saw Al Horford finished on him with ease. And then I also saw a couple nice gathers from Joe where he kind of switched it up with the steps, ripped the ball through, put himself in a great position to score, and obviously continuing that, two of four. And that's just really didn't shoot a lot of threes as a team today. Just felt different. And I think, again, it, it was the game plan, Nick. It was 9 of 24, you know, almost 38%. You'll take that on any night. But if you are getting points in the paint, it is much... It is a much higher percentage shot to get down, get low, and earn free and earn free throw opportunities too. You know the Nets went to the line 18 times. They sent you know the Sixers there 17 times themselves. They were awesome in the fast break. They got 64 points in the paint. You know plus 10 on, on that on the Sixers. So when you have a game plan and you know you can divert that game plan and it plays to your strengths anyway. You know the Nets will happily take threes if it means that that's what they have to do. But I think it's a higher percentage shot to force the defense to make plays on you. When you're getting and, and penetrating, it also does lead to open shots. But at the end of the day, if you're getting open shots down low on a drive, you're getting fouled, uh, you take that and you run with it. Especially with Philly not having Joel Embiid out there. You know, it's a completely different game not having a rim protector. And like we mentioned, Al Horford's not that guy. I thought the backup, I think his name is Pelly. He played some pretty good minutes for them. Yeah, I would I like have actually, yeah, I would have actually maybe liked to see him a little bit more. I played him a couple minutes without Horford. They might have had success, but hey, we'll take the Nets dub anytime. Talking about the Nets center though, Jared Allen, probably not one of his best games. You know, not terrible though. Eight points, three and nine from the field, eight rebounds, one assist. Yeah, I think the the physicality of this game certainly had its mark on Jared Allen and. He looked, uh, you know, when you have eight points, eight boards in only 22 minutes and your other uh, backup big, you know, has you know a double-double himself and a couple of dimes, uh, you'll take that. You know, I think that's one thing, and I've put this out on Twitter and we'll obviously get to DeAndre Jordan too. When both of these guys play well, the Nets look insane. But even when Jared Allen isn't playing well, DeAndre Jordan is normally playing well. When DeAndre Jordan isn't having one of his best nights, then Jared Allen normally is. And I'm a little bit annoyed, and I'm not sick of it because I understand the narrative and where it does come from, and because he has had some washed light games and washed like performances throughout this season. But if you've been watching DeAndre Jordan play basketball the past five to eight games, then you will know that he is still a capable center in this league. Especially if you try to put someone small on him. Like if you try to put a, a quote-unquote a baby on him or one of these young guys that doesn't have the muscle... He'll body them real quick. We saw that against Charlotte. We saw that, you know, today against the Philadelphia. 
I really love the game from DeAndre. I thought he was just a monster out there, and he was just muscling guys, and you could feel his presence. Even on the missed layups or the missed jump shots, you felt like there was a 50-50 chance DeAndre would grab it. That DeAndre Jordan dunk attempt as well would have created like a black hole in Brooklyn. Like that was going to destroy the entire arena. I he might have broke the like, rim if he finished that. <laughs> that would have been like some Shaq-like-ish. It was just like monstrous. And that's what we want from him. And I, I think maybe this is probably subconscious from him. But when he's doing it in front of Dion, when he's doing it in front of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, I feel like there's a little bit extra there. Yeah, no, it's your boys. Like, you're trying to show up. They're watching the game. Obviously, they're not playing with you, and you kind of want to look good in front of them. Like, DeAndre knows he's the third, the worst of the three, so he needs to play the best. And I think he's he did a good job, and I think he maybe might even play better at home. I think he does play better at home, but he did also have like a has had some good games on the road. I think that when we were playing so poorly against the Phoenix Suns, that was the first sort of breakout, I guess, mini breakout performance of DeAndre Jordan's season. But Nick, can we chat a little before we get to like some more of the players in the game overall? I, I just love seeing Katie and Kyrie on the bench, just like talking and chatting. I need like just a Katie and Kyrie camp for like forty-eight minutes. They need to just put one in the top right corner, like the Yes Network broadcast. So you're like, yeah. I, I mean, they get plenty of screen time. You know, they're always on them, especially Kyrie and KD, just like constantly. And I think it feels good for the other guys. Like, yo, you have two of the best players in the NBA cheering you on and being like, oh, shit, look at that play. Like, I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie's a confident guy, but it has to be feel good to see Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant freak out when you throw a poster on somebody. I mean, it, it certainly is going to boost you just that little bit extra. I know one sort of signature celebration that Kyrie does have on dunks, not necessarily, obviously not Spencer Dinwiddie's dunk because that was so out of this world that it was it left everyone shook. But if there's a DeAndre dunk, if there's a Jared Allen dunk, he loves the old tap on the head, you know, hitting the head on the rim. Yep. I'm a big I'm a big fan of that. As a, as a low-key dunk celebration, I do like that. And I'm a big fan of Kevin Durant's, you know, stank faces. I'm not as big a fan of him pushing his teammate's shoulder. I don't want to injure <laughs> the other shoulder, please. What's your favorite dunk celebration when you throw one down, Jack? I don't throw one <laughs> down, Nick. There's, there's a video of me out on the JBT Facebook page. If you want to look in the Facebook page in the archives of me dunking with a tennis ball and getting all shook because like I did a, like a challenge with Nick Busing. But my hands aren't that big for a guy who's six foot three. So I can't like get the best grip on it. But I can, you know, I can jump a little bit. Yeah, I can dunk. It's ugly as hell. It's not pretty. <laughs> Yeah, I can give, I can palm the ball and everything, but it's not like, oh shit, I'm about to poster on somebody. And I'm I older now. Done. <laughs> I'm older now, and I'm not 100% confident I could still do it to this day. Dude, I'm older than you. I'm like two years older than you. What are we talking about here? Yo, but this is U.S. years. It's different, Jack. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> you guys don't run by the metric system. It's like dog years or something. Nah, like the stress this country put, puts on you, it's like double the time. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but moving on to the rest of the bench, though, a guy that we both enjoyed watching, and he brought the juice and the energy today, David Nawaba. I was glowing in my praise of him on JBT this week, and I'm going to drop that little snippet video throughout the week and saying that he should win every NBA award under the sun. David Nwaba just does does things, and does things that are good. Does work. He, like, and, and that sounds incredibly simplistic in my analysis, but if you watch him play basketball, you will see him do good things. 
and he does them very consistently. He just has aggression, he has physicality, he has length, and, and even in the Toronto Raptors performance, he was one of the best performers in just what he brings this team. I like Coach Kenny changing the rotations a little bit too, and now bringing him as that sort of first guy off the bench when Garrett Temple sits a little bit, and then he comes back with the second unit. David Nwaba is, you know... Uh, a silly, funny, a person responded to my tweet where I was like, David Noir, um, Joe Side better be ready to pay David Nwaba and Joe, and Joe Harris max level contracts. And a person's like to me, he's like, I like those guys, but are you sure? Are you joking? I'm like, yes, of course I'm joking. <laughs> but, I mean, if Joe Side wants to give them max contracts, you know, all, all power to him. Give the whole team max contracts. What do you care? It's not our money. He's got, billions, <laughs> man. He's got them billions. He could buy another team if he wanted to, uh, but. I think Nawaba just instantly brings something. You can always feel him out there. I really like the defense he put on Ben Simmons with Torian Prince in foul trouble. And then I like his ability to start things in transition. You know, he doesn't necessarily do a ton in the half-court sets, but in transition, he can get out there, he can get you a bucket, or he can get you the free-throw line. And I also like his post-defense, too. I thought his post-defense yes. was He's really a strong nice. dude. Yeah, like Al Horford was trying to bully him down low, and it's just like David Noir was like, nah, man, I'm six foot six, and I've got like a seven foot reach. You ain't going to get over me that easily. And there were times where Al Horford, you know, probably maybe got a couple of buckets here and there, but I thought overall David Noir just provides uh, a real physicality to this team, a real energy to this team. And, you know, I think that he has been a, a plus overall, and I just love what he brings. Obviously, uh, you know, do you want to talk about Theo Pinson, or do you want to move on to some other stuff? I thought Theo was okay tonight. No, I didn't think it was necessarily, you know, I wasn't as frustrated from him because we're seeing guys that are picking up the slack in terms of scoring off the bench. I still think we do need a lot of that and it would certainly help to have like, you know, a Shabazz Napier or it will help to have two of our three best players back sooner rather than later. But I think that he, in, in the lesser role that he is playing now, you know, with TLC doing a little bit of here and there and David Nwaba doing a little bit here and there and Wilson Chandler being back and also uh, Garrett Temple running with the second unit, it means that Theo Pinson can do less. I don't like it when he has to create his own offense because I don't think he has that skill set. Yeah, he, when he there was a possession this game where he dribbled for like 12 seconds and he was yeah. just bad. And I think Kenny almost needs to be like overly controlling when Theo Pinson's out there and calls sets almost every time he's on the floor just so something can get going because I don't think he's capable of creating for himself without maybe having the play set up already. Yeah, that's a fair point. Now, talking about the team in general and the bench and the rotation, obviously things are going to change when Kyrie and Karras are back. But for the time being... Do you feel a little bit better about the bench knowing Wilson Chandler's there? Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily fill me with the world of confidence, but to have NBA, like I sort of said earlier when we are talking about him, Nick, just to have capable NBA players that you can throw out there and know how to make the right moves, they have the experience in this league, it just fills you with that little bit of extra confidence rather than going, oh man, I'll have to watch Janan Musa heave 30-footers again, or Theo Pinson and him are out on the court at the same time. Uh, I think... I'm liking how Coach Kenny is, is, I think he's being gone under the radar in, in a sense in terms of how he's been coaching this team. You know, I think that he, this is, this is him in a nutshell. He loves to sort of coach the underdogs. He loves to bring the, the best out of them. But he's also changing things. He's also experimenting a little bit. And he's seeing what works. Giving minutes to, to Timothy Lawal Cabarro TLC. You know, David Nwaba. He's gifting these guys minutes. And if they prove it, he's going to keep giving them those sort of rotation minutes because they deserve it. You know, he experimented with Rodions the other night. And then he didn't necessarily do it tonight because he didn't deserve it. I think that Coach Kenny is going under the radar a little bit. And when... 
Coach Kenny is doing bad things. You know, Nets fans get on him like no other. But when he's doing positive things like he has been lately, then we don't give him the credence he deserves. So I thought that I would shout him out. No, 100%. I think Nets fans kind of don't appreciate having a solid head coach. You know, we don't think Kenny's the best coach in the league. Plenty of stuff for him to improve on. But, hey, the Nets are technically a playoff team right now, and they're missing two of their best players. You know, not many teams in the NBA could say that. We've talked about it in the past. You know, look at Golden State. Look at some of the other teams around the league when they deal with injuries. Kenny doesn't ever use that as an excuse. He gets the guys going. They're out there. Even last time when they lost in Toronto, they could have won that game if they actually <laughs> shot a, an average percentage from three in that game, and Toronto didn't have that scorching stretch. But I really like what Kenny's doing, and I think – people are really overly critical of him for almost no reason because the team's not healthy and they're still winning games. And if you look at the, the roster overall, the guys that are playing regular rotation minutes and you compare them to last season and have they improved? Torian Prince, tick. Jared Allen, tick. Spencer Dinwiddie, tick. Garrett Temple, tick. Joe Harris, tick. DeAndre Jordan, probably a tick in, in when you're comparing his season you know, with New York and Dallas. You know, David Nwaba, tick. He, all of these guys have, have improved. You know, maybe Rodion's course is probably one blip on the radar, but overall, he makes guys better. And I think a lot of credit should go to him because he instills guys with confidence. He's like, to Garrett Temple, you know, we want you to shoot the ball. We don't care if you have, you know, two or 14 performances, one of, one of 13 performances, whatever it might be. We have the confidence in you to do these things. And I think that to inspire that player forward, that player-centric culture that has always been a, a, a real key stalwart of this Nets organization, it's why we garner these superstars. It's why we get them in. It's why the role players want to play here because they feel empowered. And, you know, they're mini coaches in themselves as well. It's a, to play under Coach Kenny and, and, you know, alongside him in many ways and under Sean Marks and, and, and alongside him, it's this, this culture that I think is really player-centric. And, you know, the fact that it's player-centric is why we see improvements from so many guys that come in and out of Brooklyn. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point, Jack. I think the players actually really enjoy playing for Kenny. I think there's only been really one guy who said anything negative, and that was Kenneth Fareed. And it just seemed like it wasn't a great fit with him. Everyone else has been extremely positive. Yeah, and he's, you know, I think he came back from China, and I don't know if any team's <laughs> going to really pick him up. So, I mean, and that's not a, a slight to him. I think that Kenneth Fareed probably... Fact. Maybe it was maybe there was a communication issue with with Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson in the in in the past. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate it. But in terms of one player out of what thirty, you know, or however many have been more. on the roster, a lot more in terms of that have gone in and out and, and worn the black and white. You know, it, you can't say that, like D'Angelo Russell was traded to a different team. He could have easily had, you know, sour grapes in, in terms of how things went from him. But the Brooklyn Nets organization were honest with him and he was able to read the tea leaves and he knows how much they gave to him. And he wouldn't have got that contract if it wasn't for the development and the guise of, of the leadership of Coach Kenny and the, and the, and the rest. So, you know, Damari Carroll, Jared Dudley, all these guys just play so many awesome things, say all, so many awesome things about the Nets organization. And uh, I mean, not to get too hyperbolic about it, but, you know, it, we're making the right strides and hopefully it does lead to long-term sustained success and, you know, hopefully a championship one day. And do you feel, and you know, this is a completely different topic, uh, do you feel any better about the Kyrie and Karras injury? Do you think we'll see them before the end of 2019 or you're leading towards 2020? Um, I'm not sure, Nick. I, I'm really not. And I think the reason why I, I have no idea is because today when the, they were asked about it again by Coach Kenny was asked again by reporters, they just said no update. You know, I think Billy Reinhardt, you know, a friend of ours, a guy who's Peter on the show said, 
the, the most contact that probably Kyrie has had was that massive shove from Kevin Durant. Uh, anyway, you probably won't see that in practice. But uh, I, I really don't have an opinion. And, and it might sound like a cop-out answer, but when you don't have any information from the higher-ups, how can you form an opinion on Just on a gut issue? feel. <laughs> it's, it's literally, yeah, you're going by your gut and your instinct. And I, instinctually, I want to say that that will be bad because it's the positivity in me. But realistically, we know this Nets organization is disgustingly conservative and for the player welfare uh, of our guys. So I think that maybe we've seen them before Christmas, but there is also the Christmas break as well, where you get the opportunity to have, you know, a couple of days off and get some practices in there here and there. And it's not the toughest sort of matchups coming up. I think it was new Orleans, uh, Atlanta and San Antonio, maybe not in that order. So possibly uh, I'm not necessarily hundred percent confident though. Yeah, you got it. Pelicans, Spurs, and Hawks. I think you don't bring them back for those three games. If you want to maybe right. bring them back for the Hawks game, you consider it. I think I expect Karras back after Christmas because that's a six-week stretch, and Kenny mentioned at the four-week number that he was about on that pace, I believe. So I would expect Karras by the end of the year. Kyrie, we have no clue. We don't know anything. We don't know what we – a shoulder impingement, we've learned, is pretty much the most vague thing you can call a shoulder injury, and that's exactly what they did here. Obviously, you saw the contact with KD, so maybe that gives you some type of confidence because <laughs> if he was really banged up, you would think his best friend wouldn't shove him. So, yeah, exactly. Like, I wouldn't roll up to you if you just, you know, tore your rotator cuff or something and throw you around. <laughs> At least you didn't piss me off or something. But, uh, I'd do it to Corey, though. I'd probably do it to Corey. <laughs> 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 um, I'll send him the soundbite. But, um, yeah, I think we see Karis by the end of the year. Kyrie, uh, Kyrie, I really don't know. Yeah, and at the end of the day, the Nets are playing pretty quality basketball without them, and it's it's allowed guys to develop uh, in, a, in a way that, you know, they're, they're stepping up the next man mentality that has sort of uh, run through this organization. Spencer Dimwini has stepped up and improved to the nth degree. Torian Prince, all these other guys that I just mentioned. You know, whenever they're healthy, they'll be playing. We know that. And it's frustrating because... We want to see the fullest iteration of this team and we know that, you know, in, in our heart of hearts that this team is only going to reach their ceiling when everyone is healthy and contributing at a capable level. And that is when Coach Kenny will truly be tested uh, as a head coach. 100%. And then when you see that, and I think what makes it kind of stressful or annoying in the sense you want to see them at full strength is because you know it's going to take them time to find the right chemistry for them to hit that high level. And then they're going to have to do it again with Kevin Durant's back either later this season or next year. So it's like, it's just a waiting game and you get anxious. Yeah, we've seen flashes of it. You know, obviously there were, there were stretches at the start of the season where the whole team was healthy and we saw the Nets playing some pretty incredible offensive basketball, you know, top seven in offensive rating, but their defense was pretty horrible. And in the in the absence of, of two of our key guys, we've been able to establish a defensive identity and Karis should hopefully improve that, even though he hasn't played great defense. Kyrie Irving, obviously that's going to be an issue for him, but he just makes you so much better as an offensive team just because as a singular talent. And he gets other guys open looks due to the gravity that he's he, he just garners on a night-by-night, a possession-by-session basis. But that is, uh, that's, making, that's stating the obvious. Yeah, he's going to make their life easier offensively. In return, they need to try to help him out defensively because he's limited some ways physically. He's just not that big of a player. Some guys are going to be able to take advantage of that. Yeah, exactly. But, Jack, I think we covered that to a T. Anything else you want to get out there? Like in this Brooklyn Nets team, Nick, it's it, it's fun when the Nets... I mean, it can be frustrating with the Toronto at this game, but I also was, didn't have high expectations. It's to, a tough to get place this, to win. It's a really tough place to win. And the fact that the Nets gave themselves an opportunity, it shows that 
you know, the Nets are going to be competitive and there's only been really one or two uncompetitive and, and in terms of quarters. You know, the Charlotte Hornets game was was really, really frustrating. But the fact that we were able to get this win, I guess, kind of makes up for it. You would rather be 15 and 11 than 14 and 12. But, you know, I'll be... Um, I didn't expect... I, I think I said to you and I said on Periscopes, whatever, I didn't expect us to win either of these games. So to blow out the Sixers and to take advantage of a Joel Embiid-less team, you know, you, you're doing the right things and it gives you momentum going forward. And, you know, you give yourself a real opportunity to get another three wins before the Christmas break. Yeah, it's really weird. I'm pretty sure the Nets blew out the Sixers last December as well. Maybe it's something about yeah. Philadelphia around this time. But I agree. I was happy to see them not lose three straight. And then I was also happy to see them win the second out of a back-to-back. I think that's a really underrated thing to do in the NBA, especially against two of the best Eastern Conference teams. Yeah, I think that when we see like, you know, ESPN put out articles where it's like, you know, you look at the schedule and you go, that's a scheduled loss. By the by the virtue of what the schedule is, this is probably a scheduled loss for the Nets in terms of the fact that the, who the opponent is, the timing of the game, all of it, taking everything into account. But the Nets, sometimes, you know, you get to throw the analytics out the window and they did that tonight and they produced one of their best performances of the season, if not their best one. Yeah, hopefully they carried on into New Orleans. But, Jack, as always, a pleasure talking Nets with you. Big thanks to everybody listening. As always, find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTG, Nets Republic, and Blue Wire. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.